Thanks for tuning in to this week's CCNE podcast. Thank you so much for being here. I'm Pastor Bobby. If you don't know me, uh, I'm the administrative pastor. From time to time, I travel a good bit. But good evening. And, you know, it's funny, like, I was, as I prepare, so turn with me in your Bibles. We're going to be in Philippians chapter 4 tonight. A very common passage, but a very timely passage, I believe, for believers right now. In the current times in which we find ourselves, as always, as we begin this evening, you know, I want to say, it's funny, we live in the South. And I'm reminded as I travel a good bit that not everybody says hello to complete strangers. When I ask people when I go other places and I say, how are you? They're very shocked sometimes. They're very, very shocked. Uh, I remember one time I was turning in my rental car and I was, I was up north and I, I, said, um, I, I said, how are you? And she was very shocked. She was like, I'm great and thanks for asking. And I was like, like no one had ever asked her that. But I think sometimes when we, at, when, when we have a cultural aspect of asking someone how they are, I think sometimes we forget the meaning behind it. I think it's so often right now um, as we continue to have people who are isolated and at home, uh, people who are very concerned for their health and staying closer to home that people are becoming isolated and I think it's important right now that we reach out to people and when we ask people right now how they are as just a part of a cultural greeting that, that we mean it like how, how really are you and how are you doing um, you know I, I think we really need to reach out to those right now that we know that are that are staying at home and just feel isolated I think there are believers right now who are who are isolated all over and we need to continue to think of our brothers and sisters and who are legitimately very concerned for their health still. I think, you know, even, even today, I think there was like a CDC hearing, and I, I think more misinformation came out than real information, and that continues to cause a lot of concern for a lot of people as they continue to try to guide these through these times. So just uh, I think we need to reach out to our believers. But let's, um, let's read, you know, and, and encourage one another. So let's start with Philippians chapter 4. We're going to go verses 1 through 9, and I'm just going to read them now, and then we're going to go back through them one by one as we, as we normally do here. It says, Therefore, my beloved, and long for brethren, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, beloved. I implore you, Yodia, and I implore you, Cynthia. Uh, I, I think I'm saying that one right. That one is a tongue twister to me. I'm sorry. So to be out of the same mind in the Lord. And I urge you also, true companion, help these women who labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are good report, if there are, if any virtue, and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw with me, these do, and the God of peace be with you. Amen. We read these verses. I think I find this to be a very common passage for believers. I think a lot of Christians we've heard, particularly reading Philippians 4, verse 8, we've heard it constantly throughout our lives. But as I look at everything that goes around us right now, as we continue to navigate the year that is 2020, I feel more and more compelled to just be encouraged by the words of the Lord here. You know, it's when we look at just verse 1, you know, isn't it great to be with brethren? Um, I travel a lot for my work a lot, and I'm uh, my civilian profession, as I call it, 
um, and I'm and I'm forced to leave a good bit. But I always feel it's great. I have two homecomings. I get my my family that I come home to at my house, but I also get my spiritual family, and that's y'all. And it's always great to see you. And I think as we read verse 1, therefore, my beloved and longed for brethren, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord beloved. It is so cool. Paul is writing this to the church of Philippi. He's writing this letter, and he's calling them my beloved. I mean, these were his fellow believers, and that's how we ought to look at our fellow believers in Christ so often. These are our brethren. We are brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. And it is great when we see one another, and long, sometimes times when we're apart um, to be with one another in, in fellowship, in, in the Lord's house. You know, relationship is so important to believers and believing with one another. So I read verse 1 here, you know, therefore, my beloved. I mean, Paul is writing this, and he truly, truly means it. Um, and, I, and I can empathize with Paul and the emotion in this, the first verse of Philippians chapter 4. In verse 2, I implore you, Yodia, and I implore you, Santh, to to be of the same mind in the Lord. So uh, we don't actually know the conflict here uh, that existed between these two sisters in the church. But it was so great, in fact, that Paul wrote them. So, I mean, we know Paul wrote many letters, and he, uh, many of them are the books of our Bible, um, been to many churches. But here he implores them to be of the same mind in the Lord. So whatever conflict they were going through, whatever was the issue between these two, we see Paul is imploring them to be of the same mind in the Lord. And he said, And I urge you also, true companion, to help these women who labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. So these are fellow believers that are having some form of a struggle. Um, and Paul is encouraging them. And I think it's really interesting. You know, Paul is a really interesting guy. Um, and as we, we put things into context, you know, every day I wake up, Every day I wake up, I pray for really three things of the Lord every single day. I pray for objectivity, I pray for context, and I pray for perspective. I pray for objectivity that I can see things as they truly are, that I can see a situation not with my own biases removed, so I can truly understand the situation. I pray to be objective. And then I pray for perspective, that I can see it in light of other things and implied to my life. As I think about COVID so often, right? And COVID is going to be the 20, I think it's really the 2020 thing, right? I think we're going to remember this one for however long it keeps going. So we use it as an example because I think it's going to be there for us. But when I look at it, is this the first time a pandemic has, has ever affected the United States? No, you know, no. And, and perspective helps us in a lot of ways to see things as they truly are. And as believers, how we put them in a right place as well. You know, is this the first time we've ever been required to wear masks as a population? Uh, no, actually not. In fact, during the Spanish flu, there were several people in San Francisco that were shot by police for not wearing a mask. In 1920, you can go look it up. You know, the Spanish flu, which is 100 years ago, quite ironic in the timing of this one. Um, there were people that were by law required to wear masks in public and everywhere they went. So this isn't some anomaly that we have. And, and for me, when I put things in perspective and I apply them to my Christian worldview that the Lord gives me from studying his word and my belief in him, it helps me to see the the reality of the world in which we live in. You know, I think about things like the vaccines coming, right? And I know that causes a lot of consternation for some people too. A lot of people are concerned about the vaccine and are we going to be required to take it and, and how are we going to do it? Will there be enough of it? And I, again, in perspective, have there been times in the history of our nation that we as a people have taken a vaccine for the good of everyone's public health? 
actually, yes, we have. Um, in 1953, there was a polio outbreak. Polio was a really rough disease. It actually killed one of our presidents, Franklin Delano Roosevelt. And if you got polio, it was a pretty horrible process by which we, met it, we, we cared for you. You had to sleep in this big, long, giant metal coffin called an iron lung, and it helps suspend your life longer uh, when you're in the final stages of polio. But in 1953, there was a polio outbreak. It killed roughly about 5,000 Americans, which in respect to our population from where we are today, that was a significant number. And in 1955, Jonas Salk came out with a vaccine for polio. And I, it was interesting because I remember seeing an old cover of Life magazine, and it was people lined up in their cars receiving the first vaccinations of polio. So we continue in the information cycle of information as we receive it through our phones or from our televisions or digital billboards or however we're mass-fed information now. And as this comes about and people are gonna say, you know, this is unprecedented, it's never happened before. Well, in perspective, in reality, it has. So I pray for perspective to put things in the right place as they come into it. Say, Lord, is this, has this happened before? What is this as we go through this life? And then to put things in context. As I, you know, I pray for these three things every single day from the Lord. Lord, help me be objective. Help me put things in perspective and help me put things in the right context for which they are. And that really helps me. You know, and it's interesting that Paul is imploring these two to be anxious for nothing. If there's anybody at this time at the writing of this letter to be anxious for anything, to worry about anything, it's the Apostle Paul. I mean, if you think about it, right, this guy's been scourged. He's been beaten. He was scourged so many times that the flesh on his back may have never repaired. Okay, this guy has been thrown out of places. He's been stoned. His life is threatened constantly. I mean, if there was anybody who said, hey, watch out. I got to be concerned for me. I worry a lot. It would be Paul. And here we have this conflict. And out of love for his fellow brethren, what's Paul doing? He's writing him a letter saying, hey, be chill. Trust in the Lord, right? You know, Paul had a lot to be worried about when he wrote this at the time. And instead, what he is, is imploring and encouraging his fellow believers in a church that he loves. You know, and I, I call that context. And I think that's so important as a believer, you know. And we read verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I will say rejoice. So when we put that in context about Paul's life and where he is in his ministry at this time of the earth, and what is he saying? Rejoice in the Lord always. There are so many things in which as believers, even in the midst of everything that's continuing to go on this year, that we have ways to rejoice in the Lord. We offered praise reports this evening. You know, we rejoice in the simple things. You know, even in the things that I think, and I think it would be very, I want to put this in, in, in context and in perspective. We're not saying we stick, we're not ostriches. We're not Christian ostriches that stick our heads in the sand. If you've ever seen an ostrich, when an ostrich is in danger for its life, the big wing, like, non-flying bird. There's only like four species of non-flying bird in the world, by the way. The ostrich is one of them. It's the largest of the non-flying species of bird, of avian. Uh, and when it's in trouble and when it's feeling pursued by things, it runs around and then it sticks its head in the ground. As if it's like, if I hide myself from this thing and I no longer see it, then it's no longer real. It doesn't actually work. It doesn't work out well for the ostrich. Very interesting for those who claim that evolution is real. You think the ostrich would have evolved by your school of thought to not stick its head in the sand as it gets eaten by other things. Again, we're not ostriches. We're not, we're not biblical ostriches that run around and deny the reality of the world in which we live in. No, we put our faith, hope, and trust in Jesus Christ for the reality of the situation and what's going on. And we rejoice in the Lord. I, air travel. I read in the paper yesterday, the online the Delta had to return a flight to, a, to the gate because the guy refused to put his mask on. He boarded the plane, then took it off, refused to put it back on, and the plane had to return to the gate. Come on, 
right? And I've flown. I have flown. And I have dealt with the distancing on airplanes. I have dealt with the mask on the airplanes. And I'm rejoicing because you know what? When I'm flying Delta, I get to request a whole row to myself for social distancing. If that's not great, I don't know what is because flying is not comfortable. And I say I'm rejoicing in this. I also said, too, look, there's been multiple times I've boarded airplanes and people are belligerently intoxicated, right? Well, guess what? There's no more alcohol served on airplanes right now. How cool is that, right? So I don't have to deal with someone who's belligerently intoxicated from the amount of alcohol that's served on an airplane sometimes. That's all the result of COVID. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Again, Paul, a man pursued, beaten, scourged for the name of Jesus Christ, is writing a letter to, to two of his fellow brethren who he adores and says, it's going to be okay. Trust in the Lord and rejoice in the Lord. Now, verse 5, let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. You know, what, you know, what do we want to be known for? You know, what is it that we as believers want to be known for? It's funny, when I think of 2020, I think people want to be known for a lot of things. I think, I don't know if gentleness is one of them, but I think of all the things that people want to be known for in 2020, things that are kind of ironic to me a little bit because I'm not too old, but I'm old enough to not remember a lot of these things. So there's like professional vloggers uh, now. People want to be known as professional vloggers. They live their lives on YouTube and other streaming platforms about all their stuff that they do. You guys know that there's whole families of people that are nothing but digital travelers. They travel all over the world chronicling their stuff. Hey, that's cool. They want to be known as vloggers. We also have people who are professional video game players. It's so funny. When I was a kid, you know, my brother and I would play video games. And my mom would say, you know, you're never going to be able to do that for a living. And I just look at 2020, I said, Mom, there's a lot of people that are playing video games for a living right now. You know, there's people that they have, there's this streaming platform called Twitch. I still don't understand this one where they, they film themselves playing video games. And apparently people are really into this. I'm very confused by this. So people want to be known for a lot of things right now in 2020. But we as believers want to be known for our gentleness. You know, again, as Jesus Christ is our example for all things, uh, to be of the Spirit and be, and be known. Be known for your gentleness. You know, let us be known for our gentleness to all men and all people. But yeah, people want to be known for a lot. But as you know, as believers, you know, we always have Jesus regardless. You know, our greatest joy has always got to be in the Lord for everything that he provides to us. Verse 6, be anxious for nothing. You know, worry is the greatest threat to our joy and worrying about things. And as believers, you know, regardless... Um, you know, so verse six, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. We should worry for nothing as believers because, you know, no matter what we go through, it's either of the Lord or for the Lord or as believers in him, we trust in the will for our lives. So as everything we encounter, it's going to be of a good reason. You know, I want to use a football analogy. I actually like football a lot. I'm very thankful that we have football. I know some people are a little upset uh, with the NFL. I'm just thankful to have football back because I enjoy it as entertainment, as a sport. I really enjoy the athletic endeavor that football is. Regardless of what everything else that's going on, I am thankful that, that we have something to watch. But And I'll use Reggie as an example because Reggie, Reggie would be cool with this. But Reggie's a big fan of the Washington Redskins. They just changed their name. though. They're the Washington football team now. And, and this is how I equate it to believing in Jesus no matter what encounters in our life. If Reggie and I knew the Redskins are going to win the Super Bowl this year. The Lord came down and said, regardless of how this season goes, the Redskins are going to win the Super Bowl. 
when people criticize them throughout the season this year, and when pundits on ESPN and Fox NFL Sunday and all this stuff cast a bunch of shade on them and say what a terrible team they are, well, we just get to sit back and laugh, right? You would sit back and laugh. If you knew that your favorite team was going to win the national championship of college football or was going to win the Super Bowl, you would laugh at everybody who would be mocking them regardless of how their season was going. Because they do this every week. If you watch sports, if you watch professional sports, if you watch football or college football, every single week there are multiple shows on television telling you which team's going to win and which team's going to do this and which team's going to do that. And in the same way as believers, we're kind of in the same way. Regardless for us as Christians, there's either two things that are going to happen, right? We either die and go to heaven or he's coming back for his people. Regardless, that's our faith and our hope, right? Our hope is in Christ eternal. So regardless of what we encounter, regardless of if we were to go through whatever myriad of circumstances in this life, we have two ultimate outcomes that are to be in glory with Jesus Christ. Amen? You know, be anxious for nothing. Worry is the thief of our joy, and our ultimate joy is in Christ Jesus. Amen? And there are a lot of things that are causing people to worry right now. And, I, and it's legitimate. It's, it's, I think people are legitimately concerned about a lot. I mean, it's an election year, and that's a circus. But we have uncertainty. We have the things around the world. We have COVID continually. Uh, we have the upsetting to our normal lives by the coronavirus. So we're wearing masks even here this evening. You have to wear a mask to go in certain places and on airplanes. And we have distancing requirements. And people get upset if you don't distance from them. I've, I've seen people get kind of irate if someone gets a little bit too close to them sometimes. I got yelled at in Publix, by the way, when all this started. It's really funny. I didn't see the arrows in the aisles. And this lady at the other end of the aisle yelled at me. She said, you have to go the, the right way. And I was very confused because I, I wasn't yet sure what was going. I didn't know this when this all, this was back in April. And I was just trying to get my daily refill of Diet Coke. And where I wanted to go was down the other end of the aisle. And she was like, she kept yelling at me, I have to go the other way. And I'm like, what way is the right way? Like, I don't know what way you're telling me to go. And eventually she said, look down. And I looked down and saw the arrows. And I was like, oh, my bad. So I went around the other aisle. And then I stood next to her. And I got my drinks. And I walked past her. So, And I wasn't trying to mock her. I'm just saying, this is how it went. People are concerned. People are really concerned. But again, for all of our believers, for us as believers in Jesus Christ, we have two ultimate outcomes that are great. They're great. Whatever we go through in this life, they're great. Just continue to seek after Jesus. A, he's either coming back for us and the imminent return of Jesus Christ. And our hope should be in that every single day that the Lord is going to come back for his people one day. Or B, if we die and pass away, we go to heaven. There is no better outcome with which we cannot wake up and go through everything and struggle in this life today. You know, in supplication, in prayer and supplication. You know, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. Supplication means the earnest sharing of our needs and our problems. That's what supplication means. I had to look that one up. You know, and how do we do that? How do we earnestly share our needs and our problems? Well, one of the main ones is to be in fellowship, to be in fellowship with each other as one, one another, and to trust in one another that when we share things in confidence and say, hey, look, I really need prayer for this. I'm asking in supplication for your prayers for what I'm going through, that A, in trust with my fellow believers, that you will pray for me. If, I got to say, too, like we say that a lot in the South, too. You know, we'll say we pray for people. If we say we pray for people, we got to be really honest and, can, and, and really forthright. If we tell someone, I'm going to pray for you, we need to really pray for them. I've seen that my, my whole life growing up here, for the most part. 
that we'll do that sometimes. Oh, I'll pray for you. And then we just walk past. Like, no, we're commanded by the word of God to pray for. If someone comes to you in supplication asking for their prayer needs, we have got to pray. If you put it out there, please do it. Pray for them. And it's even if it's the simplest prayers, I mean, even if it's something like, please pray for my headache. Absolutely, I'm going to pray for you. Because why? Because the Lord's word commands us to do so. And prayer and supplication. That's why fellowship is so critical to us as believers. That's why being in fellowship with one another and right fellowship. Because whatever was occurring here between Iodia and, and Synthais, I golly, that, that one's killing me. There's some names in the Bible that I can't pronounce sometimes. Whatever was going on there was not allowing them to be in right fellowship with one another to such a degree that Paul is writing them this, right? So we have to be in right fellowship with our fellow believers. But whatever happens, we will always have the Lord. Whatever happens, we will always have the Lord. So verse 7, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. This verse, I think the older I get, is magnified more and more in my life. I have experienced things even in my life, and it's as short and young as it is at times, that the peace of Jesus Christ was the only way that I could have gotten through that moment. And that moment in my life and the things I've encountered, uh, places that I've been, the, the passing away of friends of mine, um, the peace of Jesus Christ, it surpassed all my understanding in that moment. You know, we go back to 1 Corinthians a lot. I talk about 1 Corinthians a lot. It's probably my favorite book of the Bible, really, because I'm a big fan of Paul. But man's earthly wisdom is flawed. And I think it's important as believers every day to remember that the wisdom that I think of for myself is flawed. And man's ways are flawed because our wisdom is not the perfect wisdom of Jesus Christ. Amen. And so that peace that can only come from someone who knows all things and surpasses all things gives me peace for whatever trial I may be going in in the moment. I know I've lived it in my life. I know that many of you have too. And that peace that, that God gives us in those hardest of moments that we walk through in our humanly bodies, it surpasses all understanding. That peace that comes from Jesus Christ in the midst of our struggles and iniquities, that peace can only be known and given from a perfect creator God who loves us, even though sometimes we sin and walk away from him. That peace could only come from God. And that surpasses all understanding, all man's knowledge, all understanding, and that will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You know, and I say this too, and I look back, you know, as believers, and even here as believers in this state, we, we have a lot to be thankful for. I have a lot to be thankful for. I'm thankful that I'm not in California right now. And not because of the wildfires, but, but, as, a, but as a pastor. I, uh, pastor Brennan and Jimmy and I recently went to our pastor's conference, our Deep South Pastor's Conference. And there were pastors there from Calvary Chapels in California. And they were saying things that I was like, man, I'm thankful to live here. There have been days that I'm like, man, I don't know if I'm thankful to live in South Carolina. July is probably that month, okay? I'm not thankful to be here in July and August. I swear we turn into a jungle. I don't like humidity at all. But I am thankful I am here. I'm thankful right now that our church is here. I heard of a pastor at the pastor's conference. He talked about how this, this church in California did, did everything that was asked of them. They, they did everything that was asked of them from the state of California for distancing, for masks, for changing out seat covers on the, the church. There's actually 26 requirements right now. If, if you want to be on a church service right now in the state of California, there are 26 things that that church or religious institution must do in order to have a service. This church did it all. This church went to great length to do it all. And you know what? The health officer was sitting in their parking lot the whole service. And then a couple of days later, they got a $60,000 fine in the mail. 
And you know why when they called? You know what they said? You know what they said? Three people walked outside. We saw them hug one another. So we wrote you a fine for violating the COVID regulations in the state of California. Wow. Like, whoa. Like, if that doesn't, like, make you just kind of take a deep breath and say, like, man, that's wild. Like, what? I think back, like, what happened in our country, right? Because, like, I love the First Amendment, right? I love, like, the Constitution's important. Freedom of religion is a part of your First Amendment. And the fact that even, yes, in the midst of public health, that you have a state putting 26 mandated requirements in order to have a religious service, you know? And if you don't, we're going to fine you $60,000. I am thankful that our church is here. And we're continuing to do what we need to do for the sake of the brethren, right? We Lysol, we, we distance, we wear masks. Look, we're doing all of that. But you know that our state exempted us from all of it? Our governor, you know, good or bad and different at times, you know, exempted all churches from the beginning from this and said, that's between you and the Lord. So, look, we're going to do as the Lord commands us to do, but I am thankful we are here. And you know what's really sad, too? I saw someone sent me a clip, and it was, it was two news, news anchors. I don't care which platform to tell you, but they were mocking these churches in California that were complaining about this. And one of them looked at the other one and said, yeah, because Jesus didn't wear a mask. Like, whoa, like what time are we living in right now that people on national broadcast, they, they are defaming the name of God and they're defaming Christians who by commandment of his word are fellowshipping with one another as believers in Christ. I am thankful I live here. Rejoice in the Lord always. And you know the crazy thing? There are brethren in California. There are brothers and sisters in Christ in California, and they are worshiping. And they're thankful to even do and be in compliance for what they are doing. But, man, I'm thankful I live here. I'm thankful for a lot of things. And I pray for our country. We had a prayer request for revival. Amen. That's so timely for the things we're discussing this evening. We've got a lot of bad in our world right now. You know, we've got, I use California as an example. I don't know why California wants to be an example right now of bad. You know, the California Assembly, it was signed into law by their governor this week. But California is decriminalizing certain elements of pedophilia. Um, so I won't tell you all the aspects of this, but their governor signed it into law this week. You know, and, and I will tell you, you know, in 2014, the Supreme Court struck down the Defense of Marriage Act. There were pastors in 2014 that said that with the passage of same-sex marriage, that eventually in this country, we are, we are going to see the push for pedophilia to be added as a part of choice in America. And six years, six years later, we are seeing in law in California where they are decriminalizing certain aspects of this. But man, we got to pray for our country, man. Like, wow, where are we gone? What's happened to us? We're telling people they can't go to church, telling people they can't sing in church. We got Christians attacking fellow Christians, whether they wear a mask or they don't wear a mask. Like, man, what are we doing? There is a commandment to us as believers to protect children. Jesus said, come to me, my little children. There is, there is a requirement for us as Christians that we look out for children. It's one of the guiding reasons that we are so pro-life is because we care about the life of the child and the, and the child that that life is. And I think that as believers, when we see this continuing march for choice of a preference, and if it endangers children, we, we have to speak out. We have to be about this as Christian people, regardless of what they say about us. And I remember, I, you know, I remember in 2014, those pastors who spoke out when Doma was struck down and they said, that's a little extreme. That's a slippery slope pastor. That's too far. No, that'll never happen here. And like, yeah, it is six years later. Six years later, look what's happened in our country and the moral decay and slippery slope that we're on. And I mean, it's more prevalent every single day. But in spite of this, as believers, regardless, we know the end of the story, right? 
We know the end of this story. This world, and a lot of things too. Look, you can have it. You know, we got people hoarding stuff. I saw now they're buying up all the aluminum soft drinks. You all saw this one? So the toilet paper people, when they got done with their toilet paper, they went to guns. They're still buying guns. Now they're going now and buying up soft drinks because apparently there's an aluminum can shortage. Have it. Have it. If the Lord's coming for his people right now, amen. Have it all. We're leaving. Pull the plug. We're out the pool. You know, amen. I believe in the imminent return of Jesus Christ for his people. I hope you do too. I am a premillennial, pre-tribulation believer in the word of Jesus Christ. I believe that he is coming for his church. So we know the end of the story. Amen. And I'll tell you too, like, there's a lot of discussion right now. And there's important things that the church is discussing. Our church has been about that. Our church has been about talking about things like social injustice that exists in our country and racism that continues and exists in our country. We have been up that. And you know why that's so important, though, as believers? You know, because I look back across history, and I know a good bit about history, and I will tell you that every great social justice movement in this country, it first began in the church. Abolition first began in the church. The civil rights movement began in the church. Even the founding of our country, in a large part, began in churches. And I want us to think about this in context of our 2020 conundrum, right? You know, why is that? Why would Christians be so enraged about social injustice that goes on outside of our walls? Because it's the Christian worldview that Jesus Christ has given us from the study of his word that has implanted us to say, hey, look, in my community, my biblical worldview, my biblical ethic dictates that this is wrong. You know, I think about the context of the abolition movement that did away with slavery. That began in this country as far back as the 1820s. The Civil War wasn't until 1860, and in 1862, Abraham Lincoln freed the slaves through the Emancipation Proclamation. In 1865, they fought over the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendment. But Christians, as an extension of their biblical ethic and belief in Jesus Christ and the treating of all men equally, began the movement to end slavery, the abolition movement, as far back as the 1820s, long before politicians did. You know, I think somehow in our world, in the last 25 years of my life, we got it backwards. See, we got it backwards. See, see, we can't legislate revival. We can't legislate morality. We can't do the things of God in our communities through the works of men. No, Christians go outside of the church and influence those because Christ first influenced us. And unfortunately, I think what's happened now is that we've got the reverse. In the last 25 years, whatever political entity you want to be a part of, has come in and told us that as an extension of our belief in Jesus, we got to be for them. And it's like, no, you guys got it backwards. You got to be about us. You know, and it's unfortunately like I see believers fighting so much over political divide today. Some people are truly conflicted and they have a right to be because there's things that just don't make sense in our political system. The way our current politics lines up, we have believers who say, yeah, I don't like this, but I don't like that. And I don't like this but I don't like that. They have a moral conscience divide. And I think the reality is, is both sides, both of the two main frontline parties in this country have tried to co-opt the church to say they're for us when they're really not. And they just want us to vote for them. And as Christians, we have to put the influence back on them. We have to be, and as an extension of our biblical understanding of God's world, help shape the worldview that exists around us because our worldview was first changed by Jesus Christ and our belief in him. We've got, to, we've got to return to that. And I think, unfortunately, 
we've gotten in this weird cycle in this country where we think of it's kind of like a like the belief in Jesus Christ and the and the role of the church is kind of like a an after effect that if somehow we're a really good member of this political party that somehow the church is going to be glorified through that no we we got to get back to the other side of that equation we got to flip that equation as believers in the church and I can tell you as a pastor the the Lord did not call pastors to be social political commentators. He called us to teach the word of God and encourage believers to love Jesus and others. Why? Because Christ first loved us. That's what we kind of got to get back to in America right now. You know, true change can only happen in our country through a revival in Jesus Christ. And that revival can only occur if we go out and start telling others about Jesus Christ. Not if you're whatever you want to be. And some, <laughs> like I said, I think we have it backwards without naming names and calling people out. We got it twisted. We got it backwards. We'd go out and think if we do something for the work of men in the work of men, that somehow that's going to bring the, the prominence of the church in a place of revival. No, it's backwards. We tell people about Jesus Christ, and we hope that that extension of a belief in Jesus Christ changes the world around us, not the other way around. And we've, we've got it twisted right now. Um, but, so, but in spite of all of this, in spite of all of this, we look at verse 8. It says, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, Whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Meditate on these things. Look, 2020 is wild, but there'll be 2021 and maybe 2032 and maybe 2050 if we get there. I don't know. Maybe the Lord will come back for us. I don't know. There's going to be one thing or another. The Lord's word reminds us all the time that wars and pestilences and famine are, they're going to happen. But our belief should always be grounded in Jesus Christ regardless. And this is when I talk about the biblical worldview that we have to go out into our communities and extension for. You know, unfortunately, with social media today, I mean, it's inherently easier to seek out the evil in this world than the good. I mean, it just is. I mean, and the sad thing is, is that given the way the algorithms are utilized in social media platforms, if you keep looking for evil on your devices, the algorithm is going to continue to put evil in front of you. Believe it or not, okay, there are, there are engineers, there are computer and software engineers. They sit around and they write algorithmic code so that whatever you're viewing on your device, you continue to view more of it. So that means that if you fill your mind with evil by looking up evil things on your device, you're going to get more evil put in front of you. You're going to get more bad news put in front of you. That's, that's how we've been socially engineered by social media. And so, man, we got to put good stuff in front of us. Again, not ostriches sticking our heads in the sand. And we all know those people on social media. We all know that one, two, three, four people in our lives that it's like, man, every bad story in the news, they got to share it. Every bad news story they see. That, Listen, I think it's terrible that that Boy Scout troop in Thailand got trapped in a cave. Okay? That was really rough. What was that, two years ago or a year ago? But people share all this stuff. And there's, there's people I know that I follow on social media. And it's like, man, every bad news story that's ever existed is always they're resharing and resharing and resharing. And yeah, hey, cool. We should pray for people. But if we're just resharing negativity for negativity's sake to enlighten people to the evil of the world, listen, I've been a lot of places around this globe. It's not hard to find it. It's inherently easier to share evil than it is good. And as God's people and as people of Jesus Christ, verse 8, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. And I'm truly concerned for people. 
You know, as we continue through lockdowns in other states and people who are concerned for their health and going out, we have people living on social media all the time, fostering negativity, afraid of an election, afraid of a virus, afraid of their health, afraid of a food shortage, afraid of a, a gun buy-up. I mean, that one blows my mind. People are still buying guns. I would have thought they bought them all by now. I keep saying that. And every time I go on a trip and I come back, they're still buying them. I'm like, man, what are we putting our hope in, right? Believers, we believe in Jesus Christ all the time. You know, but people are meditating on things that are evil right now out of a sense of somewhat boredom and nothing else to go do. Go out and live your life and, and live it for the Lord and seek the good things that are still. Rejoice in the Lord always. Not rejoice on social media for the evil that's here. Look, I don't got to go far to find it. I'll be reminded of it every day regardless. Whether it's here in my community or it's around the world, okay? And yeah, we pray for people when tragedies occur, but it's another to go out and seek them and find them and fill our minds with them and then live in this kind of cloistered environment that causes us to only think on negativity. I, I don't see in, Lord, in the Bible where it says Christians constantly sit around and focus on all the evil of man in this world all the time. No, it says, again, verse 8, whatever is noble, pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report. You know, I recently came back from Puerto Rico, very interesting place. A uh, very pretty place, but a lot of devastation and a lot of poverty. You know, Hurricane Maria was 2018. They're still recovering. And by the nature of the work that I was doing there, there, I learned a lot about Hurricane Maria. I learned about dialysis patients that passed away from hospitals without generators. I learned a lot, a lot of tragedy for people down there. And I also, too, like a lot of the places I was going was rampant poverty. Rampant, rampant poverty in Puerto Rico. $11,000 a year, average medium income in a couple of the places I was at. And it's very expensive. It's a very expensive place. And there were bars on, the cages on homes. They had their whole homes wrapped in cages. And it's like from, because people break into things. And you know, another thing I learned too is that they don't stop at red lights at night. It's kind of weird. Uh, when you pull up to a red light, nobody, everybody keeps going. You got a green light and cars are just flying. You know why it is that way? Because they're afraid of being carjacked. Because carjackings were so rampant at one point that, that if you stopped at a red light at night, particularly in some of the cities in San Juan or some of the other cities, you get carjacked. And there is a legit fear of getting ripped out your car and someone taking it. So they don't stop at red lights, which makes driving there a little bit more hairy. But in spite of all of that, they were happy people. They were really happy people and they were really friendly people. And it was quite a conundrum for me because I feel like right now in America, we still have a lot. We still are a land of plenty. We're still a land of great opportunity. And man, we got a lot of people who are just sitting around and fomenting a lot of negativity. A lot of negativity. And here's a people still devastated, still being devastated. When I was in Puerto Rico, they had an earthquake. <laughs> There's this one city where they always have earthquakes. And there was one while I was there. They're continually being devastated by, by, by natural disaster. But they were some of the happiest people I think I've ever met. And it was so weird. It was so weird. You know, because you think it would be the reverse, that in spite of all their suffering, that they would be a worse people. And they were super friendly. And it just, it was a, it was a moment of perspective for me to say that regardless of whatever occurs to us, that Jesus still exists, that Jesus is still here, that Jesus is still in control, and, and everything's going to pass away. Like I said, we got two options as believers. We die and go to heaven, or Jesus comes back for us. Both of those are really great outcomes. Both of those are really, really great outcomes. I don't want to be one-sided in this. So if you are concerned about the things that are going on in our community, right, 
if you are concerned about the things we see in our society, and, and I think we should. I think as believers, we should speak out at times where there are injustices and when times when there are wrongs, when times where there are things that we as believers as an extension of that biblical worldview that Jesus Christ gives us that we say that is not right and that does not belong in our community, whether that's racism, whether that's crimes that are perpetrated against children, which are going to be lawful, whatever that may be, we do need to speak out. But in what way are we to speak out? So turn with me to Micah chapter 6. Turn with me to Micah chapter 6. It's a great book of the Bible. If you've never read Micah chapter 6, it is, hold on, because I'm telling you, this is a strong word of admonition right here, right? Micah chapter 6 is a really cool, really cool chapter and book of the Bible. Put a little bit of a, a backstory on this again. So Israel has fallen away again, as the story of the Old Testament continually repeats itself. Micah chapter 6, hear now what the Lord says. Arise, plead your case before the mountains, and let the hills hear your voice. Hear, O you mountains, the Lord's complaint, and you strong foundations of the earth. For the Lord has a complaint against his people, and he will contend with Israel. Verse 3 says, O my people, what have I done to you? And how have I wearied you? Testify against me, for I brought you up from the land of Egypt. I redeemed you from the house of bondage, and I sent you before Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. O my people, remember now what Balak, king of Moab, counseled? And what Balaam, the son of Berah, answered him from Acacia Grove to Gilgal, that you may know the righteousness of the Lord? Verse 6, with what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before the high God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, 10,000 rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgressions, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? Micah 6.8 says, he has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. If we see things in our communities which outrage us, which make us upset, that we know we ought to speak out of, how do we go about that with a biblical worldview? How do we do that in an extension of the love of Jesus Christ? I humbly request before you that you go to Micah 6.8, that you do justly, and I actually wrote that one out, you know, what is it to do justly? Is according to justly is according to what is morally right or fair or fairly. To do justly, to love mercy. As Christians, we are to love mercy. That is a hard thing in our world, right? Because what man tells us, and in man ways, is that we are to demand justice. We must have rights for wrongs. But we are to love mercy as believers of Jesus Christ. That means we have mercy for those who even transgress us, right? As the Lord's Prayer commands us to pray for those who transgress us, right? And we are to walk humbly with your God. They will know us by our gentleness, as we read in Philippians chapter 4, and to walk humbly before your God. Amen? So if we see things we don't like, man, the Word of God gives us every example for which we are to follow. We have to, again, take our biblical worldview to a dying worldview, and that's men, and not think that by man's ways that we can change the world, but only through revival in Jesus Christ can true change happen in all the hearts of all the people of this land. Amen? Amen. Thank you so much. Um, I hope to live this out. Man, that's a tough challenge. I'll be real. That's tough. The, those three things, if we look at Micah 6, 8, to do justly, love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. A few words, big burden, right? If we could, if, if everyone in our communities, in just this community, forget the United States, the state of South Carolina, if everybody in the city of Columbia could just do that, what a better place we would have, right? But we can't do it through legislation, 
And we can't do it through politics. We can't do it through social media, likes, posts, shares. Can't do it through TikTok videos and every other distraction we have. We can only do it through the word of God and an extension of his love for all the people. Because remember, Christ first loved us. Amen? Amen. Here at CCNE, there are so many events happening throughout the week. So make sure you're subscribed to the weekly e-bulletin so you can be fully informed of all that we're doing. For more info, or if there are any prayer requests you'd like to share with us, be sure to visit us at ccnortheast.org.